Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we're releasing a bonus episode. This is content that is taken from an interview that I did in September of 2022, and that episode was called Mindset and Performance with Formula One commentator Tom Gaymore, and that was episode 341 of Boundless Body Radio. I am just re-releasing this today because we're back to racing in Formula One. If you know anything about me, you know that I've gotten hugely into Formula One in the last few years. Um, It all started when Netflix started releasing their amazing sports documentary called Drive to Survive. I had zero interest in motorsport for most of my life, and this thing kept popping up in my recommended shows on Netflix. I finally, several years ago, just decided, okay, let me just give this 15 minutes, check this out. Um, I probably won't be into this at all. Within like three minutes, my jaw was on the ground. I binged all the episodes of that season and watched all of the subsequent seasons since. And, And after watching Drive to Survive and getting to know the personalities and the drama behind the sport, I've actually gotten into the sport itself, which kicks on today in Bahrain so excited for this season so I'm just re-releasing this again it's an interesting conversation Tom is a wonderful commentator he's commentated for Formula One in the past he mostly focuses on other forms of motorsport currently and other sports but I thought this was a really interesting discussion about the sport itself what it is needed to be a driver the equipment they use all that stuff so I hope you enjoy this one again you can go back and check out the full episode on episode 341 this is just the highlights about Formula One and I hope you enjoy this bonus episode And welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest introduced to you now. Tom Gaymore is a sports journalist and commentator, specializing in motorsports. Currently, Tom is working in Formula One, leading the commentary for F1 TV, and is also leading Sky Sports IndyCar coverage, including anchoring the studio for the world-famous Indy 500. Starting out as a racing driver, Tom soon swapped the steering wheel for a microphone after injury. Although Tom is best known as a motorsport broadcaster, Tom has also broadcast at the last two Olympic Games and from Premiership Rugby. Tom has a vast motorsport knowledge, having been involved in the sport for almost 30 years. He also works on a variety of other events for Discovery Eurosport, including the Le Mans 24-Hour and the World Endurance Championship, among others. In July 2011, Tom formed the Tom Gaymore Consultancy LTD, or TGC, to bring all of his consultancy projects under one roof and to further create a professional platform from which to operate. TGC specializes in talent development, driver coaching, performance management, and mentoring. Tom Gaymore, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Thank you for having me. You should work in marketing and PR. <laughs> and I'll definitely hire you because you do a wonderful job. The introduction is the best part. Yeah, it's the best part. <laughs> we always offer our guests, if any time in this conversation you're feeling a little down and you want me to read it again, we can do that. Totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh. that sounds very impressive. Oh, man. You are the voice in my head every time I'm at a stoplight. I've got a stick shift car, which nobody has around here, and I'm watching the stoplight. And as soon as that light turns green, it is your voice that says, <laughs> lights out and away we go. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a wonderful feeling. And when you're in the car or in the commentary booth, it's, it's still the same. And that's what's been a wonderful transition for me, certainly having had the, the sort of adrenaline and that hook when you're in the car, live TV 
although I'm not driving anymore, live TV still delivers that. And for me, there's nothing better than that five, four, three, two, one, we're live. And the organized chaos that then plays out and then being able to, to sort of share in the fun as the cars go green and head down to turn one, you never know what you're going to expect. And that's the, the wonderful thing for, for TV. So, you know, I'm really lucky having swapped the steering wheel for the microphone, as you say, to, to, to still have that sort of kick, because as I get a bit older, you know, I certainly do realize that, that whatever it is I do, it needs to be sort of practical, kinesthetic, definitely with that hint of adrenaline. Oh, it's amazing. Well, you do such an amazing job and I want to talk about kind of what you do. And we're also going to get into your personal story, which I think is fabulous. But I was hoping we could start by talking about the sport itself. And I would just say, like for the listener, you might not be interested in Formula One. And I can certainly relate because I was alongside, you know, most listeners who might not be familiar with this. And and there was a podcast that was done on one of my very favorite podcasts, Peter, Atri- Peter Atia, the dry podcast, where he hosted Luke Bennett, um, who's one of the doctors at Hinsa, which you introduced me to actually. And learning Ooh. about the physical and mental and emotional demands on the drivers was so gripping. And I'm also just curious too, what has it been like for you to be in the sport for so long and to now get this like crazy influx of people like me who were not familiar with this? sport at all started watching this crazy series on netflix drive to survive were absolutely fascinated and now are like watching every race and every practice session every qualifying like what has that been like i think for me it's brought a wonderful diversity to the fan base of the sport i mean we 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 aim to be as 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 collective and as inclusive as possible but motorsport is not the most accessible sport and that's whether or not you participate in it and or whether or not you want to go and watch it we all grow up around more mainstream sports so in this country you've got your football your rugby and your cricket and i'm sure in the states wherever you are it'll be your football your baseball your soccer Uh, your basketball and they're a bit more accessible that's what you play at school that's what you play out of school that's what you might play with your friends and motorsport is off on a tangent if you don't have a family member a loved one or or a direct link to the sport there has been that sort of detachment over the years I think what Liberty have done and what Netflix have delivered is to bring that diversity to bring a new audience that didn't know that they liked motorsport because they couldn't see it is that you can't be what you can't see right in terms of a fan in terms of an athlete in terms of whatever it may be so I think from my perspective it's awesome to have so many new fans and it brings you know it brings a new form of conversation a new lens new ways of thinking so I'm all for that and I think the success has certainly been evident in terms of more races in the US market the sponsorship and marketing off the back of the Netflix success has been huge and the sports growing off the back of it in all areas so yeah it's been a wonderful success and now there's there's lots of debate as to where it goes now. Does it have a, a a little bit of a fiction side to it, or does it really go deep into the reality and pick out the the stories and the 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 sort of nebulous the inner workings of Formula One, whether or not that's engineers, mechanics, drivers, what makes those human beings tick, and how 
intense are those environments because Formula One is, is a very, very diverse environment in terms of you've got the business side, you've got the marketing, PR and communications, you've got the performance side, human performance, the research and development around the car, the engineering, that side of things. You've got the sports side with the drivers. So there's so much that goes on and it sort of all comes together as a big circus, I always say, as a traveling circus. And everyone plays their part in the same sense that you go and watch the circus and there's different disciplines and specialisms and everyone has their their moment in the limelight and, and away they go. So, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to have more fans and, and the more we can open up the sport, the better. Yeah, I totally agree. And I really appreciate what Netflix does. They don't try to get into the nitty gritty of the races. It's more about the, the interplay of the personalities and the stories and the team owners. And you really get a sense of that drama and the human, you know, the human story behind the racing. But this is where I am so like complimentary of you guys and the work you do at F1. I would encourage the listener, go buy F1 Pro TV. It is well worth the 80 bucks that you guys ask. And you do such a great job of of talking to somebody like me who doesn't have a background in this stuff, yet you are able to break some of this stuff down and explain things as you go. It's not like <laughs> it's not like in American football where if you don't have a great background in American football, if you listen to some of these commentators, you have no idea what's going on, what Play packages they're calling. You know, my wife asked me a question about a game recently that I had on, and I wasn't able to answer the question. But you guys focus on educating people and explaining these are the rules. This is why they practice on soft tires and hard tires. This is why they're simulating these different things. We learn all of that from you and the wonderful F1 app, which I, I just, they do such a great job. Yeah, no, thank you. I think definitely that, that it's a big team and everybody at Biggin Hill and traveling to the circuits and so forth, they they have a real passion for the sport. They want to tell the stories, not just the human side, but but essentially break down the sport and make it more uh not accessible, but make it more understandable. And and certainly we try and do that. It helps because we have the practice sessions as well and the qualifying and the different formats. And we can really, you know, if there's breaks or yellow flags or red flags or delays, we can get into to some of the formalities. But it's nice to hear that it's it's well received your end and that it is going well. So thank you very much. Absolutely. It is like really ruining me for watching football to watch a four hour game and like three hours of that or commercials is so insufferable now after watching a race and continuous coverage and even the pre-show and post-show, it's only like two and a half hours and it's so concise. There's always something going on. And again, you guys do such a great job of highlighting not just who's in the lead, but what's happening in the middle of the pack and the race field. You mentioned F1 being a traveling circus, which it absolutely seems like it. So for somebody who's not familiar with Formula One. Can you explain what a, a, a typical race weekend entails? Yeah, definitely. So you have, you know, each, the, the big teams employ about a thousand people and sort of 350 will travel. You will, depending on your role, get to the circuit on the Wednesday and start to start to unpack. So the cars, if you're coming from a, a double header will be stripped and rebuilt. The engineers will be working through all of their simulation stuff and the, 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 the sort of data, there's, there's huge data packs that the engineers have. I mean, these are huge dossiers of information and that's passed on to the drivers as well. And there's, there's so much that goes into the performance side of the car's 
that the data captures just astronomical. So they will be working heavily through that. And then from a driver's perspective, it's about trying to get their they've changed the the the, the press conference around. So you can get there on the Thursday now. And you're just trying to keep as calm as possible and as away from all of the you know the duties that you have the drivers have a, a huge number of duties it's a bit like the week each grand prix is a bit like the week prior to the super bowl right that that's literally it from a pr perspective you're you're at sponsor events you're at the circuit you're flown in helicopters to dinners you're here you're there you're speaking to the press you, you've got set agendas and it's all written out your schedule for the weekend and then you've got to perform as well you've got to stay hydrated the nutrition side of things your travel with your trainer and they'll do a really good job of of trying to keep you um trying to keep you up to speed and then you've got the tv side of things so that they will be setting up and uh putting all the cameras into position as early as a week before the event and you know you've got another 300 400 people traveling doing that as well so there's just so much that goes on to uh to try and get a grand prix weekend together and don't forget some of these events are are back to back as well especially in europe so they'll be packing up on a sunday night traveling through to another part of europe and trying to get there by sort of tuesday wednesday and then they that they go again and for the mechanics and the engineers and a lot of people in the, the, the sort of heartbeat of the team, you know, they might be away for, for anything up to sort of 30, you know, 30 days and they're working every single day as well. They don't have days off and it's long days, you know, 14 hour days. And they brought the curfew in now over the Grand Prix weekend, but you can break that curfew, especially if there's damage or, there's something that's gone wrong with the car or power unit changes, that kind of thing, or you're, you're late into the circuits on a Wednesday with your setup and you're behind the schedule. So, you know, they'll be working well into the early hours of the morning and then they'll be back again at, uh, at the crack of dawn to, to do it all again. So there's a lot of people working really, really hard to, to, to make it all work and function like it does. I would love to see how much caffeine, how much coffee is consumed on a race weekend by everybody. That sounds like absolutely insane. Before we talk about the drivers themselves, can you tell us a little bit about these machines? How complex is an F1 car? Yeah, so I think the the F1 cars in in the sense, the, the way the... It's, it's a power unit era now. So it, it's all been about that technology. The, the, you know, you've got the MGK units, the, the, the deployment, the battery packs, and you've, you've got the internal combustion engine elements as well as the power. So, it, it, you know, the power units, the overall umbrella. So, so really, really complex cars that creates a huge amount of brake horsepower out of, you know, a very small engine, 1.6 litre internal combustion engine. They're producing sort of a thousand brake horsepower. So, um, you know, very, very impressive with, with how they sort of get that delivered. And the, the, the tech is trying to be as road relevant as possible, but we are entering a, an era now where electric technology is building. And, and so, Formula One's looking hard to, to make itself as carbon neutral as possible, 
carbon neutral fuel, that kind of stuff. So it's it's going to be interesting how where we go. I mean, they've, they've obviously published the new engine regs for, for 2026, but yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting direction in terms of how we go. I mean, that's the the, the sort of power unit element in terms of how the the downforce is created. We've just had a rule change, so they've gone back to ground effects. So that's created challenges in itself, but it's got rid of all of the what I call litter that you saw in and around the front of the car or the tuning vanes or the different aerodynamic aids that were very much like shark teeth absolutely everywhere. We've sort of got rid of that now and gone back to, yes, you create a, a huge amount of load from the front and the rear wing and, and, and the air going over the top of the car, but actually it all comes from the, the diffuser and the floor and the ground effects. And so that's been a, a rule change that slightly spiced up the running order although we got Red Bull back at the front again. But, you know, Ferrari looked really good at the beginning of the year. They certainly have a very good car over a lap. But the way the cars create downforce now, that's through ground effects that we haven't seen in Formula 1 for, you know, a, a good couple of decades. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it, it it definitely goes to show when they're making those corners, that's why it looks so unnatural when the cars are cornering because there's so much of that downforce forcing them into the yeah. ground. Yeah, that's so yeah, crazy. There's, there's huge amounts. I mean, it's you know, they, they produce huge amounts of downforce. I mean, it's frightening. And when, you, when you're in those corners, the, the G-force on the driver, I mean, you're, you're five and a half Gs under braking, you're, you're three and a half Gs through the corner. So that in itself, you know, that's five, that's five tons of, of downforce on, on the car. Wow. So, you know, that, that <laughs> they, they could at a hundred miles an hour drive, you know, 150 mile an hour drive upside down. If you could actually get the car onto the roof, that's how much downforce they would would stick to to the roof. Wow. That's incredible. Wow. So one of your coworkers, Sam is one of my favorites to include because he explains all the tech. You guys have great interactions. I love, I really love what's that. I was going to say, when you asked me the tech question, you need, you needed him we to need answer him. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he does such a great job, not only during the show explaining what's going on, but also the features like Tech Tuesday, where it explains like the tire sensors or the aerodynamics and all of these things. It makes it so awesome to kind of follow along. And he'll talk about these upgrade packages that they'll bring to the cars in a certain week. So as the weeks are going, you know, you're trying to improve your car. You're learning all the time about how it's performing in different conditions. And you start learning about, wow, this team is bringing this crazy upgrade package. And you're like, well, what's, what's this upgrade package? And it's like a little carbon flange here and like a little change in the mirror curvature there. Like that's a major upgrade package, like minute little details. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's step by step. I mean, obviously you develop a car and they, they have incredible software for simulation and then you've got the real, the wind tunnel. There's no substitute for the wind tunnel because what the numbers say in the simulation doesn't always uh, correlate to what you see in the wind tunnel. And then what you see in the wind tunnel doesn't necessarily correlate to what you see on the racetrack as well, because you've got to marry aero grip up with mechanical grip, because obviously we talked about the aero downforce, you've got the mechanical grip as well, which are the torsion bars, the dampers, that kind of stuff, working on contact patches with the tires and and so forth. I mean, it's it's really, really complex. That's why they have so much data in terms of the engineers trying to, to marry their 
ideology and what the data says to, to, to the real. But yeah, Sam does a wonderful job in, in explaining it. And then you've got, you know, hundreds of people at the factories just working on hundreds of a second. If they can find a 10th, that's such a huge breakthrough. And they'll spend, we've got the cost cap now, but they'll, they'll spend millions and millions of pounds trying to develop a tenth of a second because, you know, a tenth or two, that can be the difference between going out in Q3 or getting through to, to Q1. And, and, and that's, um, you know, very, very, you know, well, that, that's, that's the difference between world championship points or not. No points. Yeah, that's right. So for the listener with the qualifying, you're, you're basically trying to get your best time. And there's three different ranges where they're eliminating drivers in the first two. And then the last 10 gets set by your position. And that comes down to hundreds, thousands of seconds. It is very, very close. And you described what the start is like. All, all the all the cars are at a standstill. They, they go as, as full gas as they possibly can into that first corner. But that's where all the traffic is. That's where you're going to have cars like side by side. And that's where all the chaos is. And so if you're one place back, you know, because you're a tenth slower in the qualifying and now that puts you into more danger or that slows you up because you get that effect through the corners, that's a huge difference. That's a difference between, you know, the top 10 drivers that score points or even making it onto the podium or not. It makes a big difference. Definitely. And you, you know, you don't want to qualify out of position because you're not used to racing in and around that area of the grid. You're not used to racing certain individuals that you'll be around. And it's where the melee is. It's where all of the concertina effect and the cars meet vying for, for one or two lines or small areas of, of tarmac and, you know, the laws of physics and the, uh, you know, and, and so forth means that not everyone can get through. So that the likelihood of contact is, is, you know, is, is very real. And then you've done all of that work. The team have put all of that work in and you might have traveled 500 meters and, and you're out on the spot, which is really difficult to take as a team boss because they've got to pay for it as, a, as an engineer, as a mechanic. You might have pulled an all-nighter. And then as the driver, you've got your own personal disappointment and the weight of the world on your shoulders because you've got to trudge back to the garage and, and explain to everyone what went wrong. Yeah, we saw that literally at, I believe it was Spa, and you saw that shot of Lewis Hamilton walking down some yeah. like back alley to get back to the yeah. garage and explain what happened. So this is a good segue. Let's talk about the drivers, and let's talk yeah. about the physical demands. What kind of physical demands? You mentioned G-forces. What kind of shape do these guys have to be in? Yeah, so racing drivers are, are predominantly quite small, although the TV makes them look quite large. You want to be under 70 kilos, so anything sort of from like 62 kilos up, which means that you've got to be really efficient with your strength because you want to have a huge amount of sort of strength slash enduro in certain muscle groups, but then you, you don't want to have muscle where you don't need it because that's going to be excess weight, right? So drivers will tend to, to have big backs, no chest, like big triceps, no biceps, you know, huge forearms, huge necks, and the, the sort of the G's, I mean, every time you hit the brake pedal, it, it, it's one and a half bar. So, so you're looking at anything up to sort of 60 kilos, 65 kilos to 100 kilos of brake, brake pedal pressure. So if you, we had rugby players, which is your, your equivalent football, we had rugby players come into the simulator and when they first hit the brake, because the brake pedal doesn't travel very far, it, it feels as though it's not traveling at all. 
it's that solid. And when you hit it, they they weren't breaking because they were hitting it hard, but they weren't hitting it hard enough. And and I'd say to them, no, no, you don't understand. Think your beautiful pet dog or whatever it is has just walked out in front of the car and you're going to nail that brake pedal with all your might. You're going to do everything you can. You're going to put everything into hitting that brake pedal. And then they'll do it. It's like, bang, they'll do it. And then you're like, right, now you need to simulate that every single time you brake and we're going to do it for like 75 laps in extreme heat. And so every time you break, it's 65 to 100 kilos through your left leg. Then Formula One has power steering. But if we look at IndyCar, you know, you're looking at about 30 kilos through the wheel. And also, if you're looking at three, three and a half Gs through the corners in Formula One, you know, anything up to sort of 25 kilos and above on your neck. So if you're going around the right-hand corner, you're going to have all of the force on your shoulders and, and then 25 kilos pushing your head. And then you've got to come out of that and then hit the brake pedal for like 100 kilos. And then you've got to, to try and right yourself, brace yourself in the car, use all your obliques, your your glutes get so so sore because you're trying to hold your legs up in the car your hip flexors i mean nick devries who did his debut race for williams after the race he he just said i'm done like i won't i won't repeat the expletive but he just said my shoulders he <laughs> just came on the radio saying i'm done i was gonna bring I'm that done. up actually this is a pro driver this guy drives yeah. it, it yeah. has a history of driving formula two very last yeah. minute he gets called into this car he's got a race for yeah. for uh elbon who had appendicitis so he's got to do practice yeah. he's got to qualify then he's got to do the race which is way longer than what he's used to and yeah the radio commentary was like my shoulders are dead like i have no yeah. shoulders didn't yeah, they have to like wrong. wow didn't they have to like get him out uh, of the car yeah, and they, they'll get him out of the car and he'll be in a bad way. You know, when they go to Singapore next time up, the, the heat there is phenomenal. So you'll see drivers on drips after the race, pre-race, that kind of thing. You know, there was a Formula 2 driver a couple of years ago that did his WF2 race there, and he just literally came on the radio after the race and said, call me an ambulance because <laughs> he was just finished. And you, you just really struggle to explain how physical it is, especially in the heat. So if you're thinking 32 degrees, 34 degrees air temperature in the car, that's going to be pushing 40 degrees because of all the heat and the engine soak and the heat soak and everything like that around you. Then you are sitting in Nomex trousers, Nomex polo neck, and then you've got a triple layer Nomex suit over the top of you, which is like wearing a tracksuit to go skiing in or something like that. Then you've got your gloves, your balaclava, your helmet. And although you've got your head out of the car, that's an aerodynamicist nightmare. So none of the airflow is ever directed into that hole because it would just go in and then come out. You want the airflow going as cleanly over the car as possible. So you'll see the driver's, in Singapore, putting their visor up and trying to sit out of the car in the pit lane as they trundle down a pit lane just to try and get some airflow. So you, you know, you're imagine over 40 degrees with all of that kit on, no drink, no nothing for two hours in extreme, you know, your heart average heart rate is going to be 150. So you're working average heart rate 150 and over 40 degrees with no drink, with all that 
core body temperature because they've got the thermometers, you're, you're pushing 40 degrees. Now, if you had a, a temperature of 40 degrees, you go to hospital. So they're right on the cusp of what's humanly possible. And it's so, so hard. I know some of you will say that I've seen them have a drink. Well, it's not really a drink because it turns into a cup of tea after about 10 minutes because <laughs> it's so hot everywhere. So all you use that for, because it's boiling hot after about 20 minutes, is to just wet your mouth. Otherwise, your tongue just sticks to the to the roof of your mouth. So, yeah, it's, it's really physical. It, it, it's horrible. And you'll get drivers, you know, they won't say this on the media or, or pre-race because they don't admit weakness to anyone else, but, you know, over the years, traveling to Singapore and stuff like that, after the practice sessions, drivers will will speak to friends or trusted people in their circle and think, you know, I, I don't think I can do this. You know, <laughs> I don't think I've got this in the locker. And it's it's that physical. Wow. It's really hard. That's crazy. Okay, so you mentioned the people's necks, and you definitely got a sense of that, especially in the Netflix series, when you see the drivers out of the car a lot. All of them have slightly different body types, but their face and neck is the same width. Like, to just hold your head up in those kind of G-forces would require that, for sure. Um, and then, we'll link to this in the show notes, but there's a great video on YouTube. I think it's 14 or 15 minutes long, and it's called Regular Guy Drives a Formula One Car. And this guy gets the opportunity to drive, I think it was in France, it was a 2012 car that got to drive and they kind of yeah. train you all day and then you you practice for like three laps and so as he's preparing fit dude he, he drove a little bit in cart same as you and um you know fit dude they put him in and they say like okay apply the brakes so he pushes on the brakes and they're like no like apply the brakes so he pushes down and they say no like you don't understand like you need to apply the brakes and he does and they go back and say okay well that was about 60 <laughs> percent and yeah. he, he goes yeah. out and takes this lap and he sees his braking zone and so he hits the brake his head snaps forward he can barely like lift his head to see the corner which he was able to get around but they told him afterwards he was applying about 40 percent of the braking power yeah definitely if you could superimpose max verstappen's talent into you for example and put you in the car you just wouldn't be able to do a lap you just wouldn't be able a fit person just you just don't have the strength i mean I can't begin to tell you when you hit the brakes for the first time is five times your, the weight and you've got the helmet on and everything. And it will just, it'll bang your chin on your chest. That's it. You, you're done. And when your neck starts to go, you, you're trying to hold your head up with, with your eyeballs. It sounds ridiculous, but you're like, Ooh, like straining away, trying to hold your head up with, with the eyeballs. It's got a bit better with the hands device now because you can tighten the hands device. You're not meant to, but it gives you a way out. Whereas when we didn't have the hands device, when your neck went, that was it. Because literally you get into the corner and your head to fall over and there's nothing you can do. Once the, that muscle, I think it's sternomasploid or something like that, once that, once that goes you're done and, and that would be day done. And, you know, whether or not you're a young driver doing F3 or moving up to 3000 as it was then or world series or, or GP2, you'd regularly go and do a two day test uh, and you do the first day done. You try and do the morning of the second day and you pot around, do a bit. And then that's it. You just call it a day because you just can't do the two days. Wow. It's, yeah, that's incredible. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the physical side. I would love to talk about the mental side. Um, and yeah. what what is what is the driver doing during the race? What things are they considering besides just you know throttle, brake, and steer? 
Yeah, so the the, the driver's mind is, is very active because you have a, a huge amount of information that you need to digest. And that's not just what's rushing past your, your, your sensories. So, so you, you know, your eyes or, or whatever it is, or, or what you're feeling through, through your backside or, or whatever. It's, um, it, it's all of the information around fuel mileage, uh, you know, if, if it's IndyCar, you've got to work your tools. So you'll be changing the roll bar, brake bias, weight jacker, that kind of stuff. In Formula One, they're regularly changing the brake bias and, and working through the different engine modes. And the engineers are always in their ears. So the the amount of inf- information that you've got to digest and, and, and make really quick decisions and operate on is is, is vast. And for the for the vast majority of, of, of human beings, just just being able to to operate at that level is you know quite intense. So we get people on the simulators, for example, and then we'll do times tables. You know, eight times eight, six times eight. So just 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 because actually you you've got no answer because <laughs> you, you you're just totally focused on what it is that you're doing. It, it you just can't. It's so difficult to free up any other um, space to, to get those answers in and out, or get the questions in and answers out. So you know, it takes a, a huge amount of of practice and, and, and being in the environment and, and working through all of the the different warm ups and and exercises that the, that the physios have, and then you've got the sporting side of things. So making sure that you are mentally fit you know your mental fitness so confidence that kind of thing or are you feeling fearing failure you know what what is it that that or where's your mindset heading into that weekend so the mind for me is the most complex element and it it, i always say the human underpins the performer so we we don't work enough with the human being we in you know when it comes to coaching we're brilliant on the technical and tactical side of things and but we, we don't invest enough time in, in, in the human element because actually we can't always be the best that we want to be. And you could have the best technical and tactical skill sets. You could have the toolbox to deliver those technical and tactical skill sets. But actually there's so much more around the occasion that goes into that. And unless you've got the toolkit to, to be able to, to be the best that you want to be on that day and deal with the emotion and, you know, the, the, the focusing on the process instead of the outcome and getting rid of the fear and the failure and sensing the opportunity, then it, it, it's going to be, you know, a really difficult time for you. And we, we talk a lot about this, but it's not, you can't just go and be that. You can't just say that, you know, it, it, it makes great sense when you sit down with whoever it might be, your psychologist or your trusted set of ears or whatever, and you, and you run through what we're talking about now. But then when you get to the circuit on a Thursday or Friday, all of the, the feelings that you had last time come flashing back. So you, you've got to have a process. I always say you, you've got to have a process to be able to get into the right mindset and make sure that you've got that sort of toolkit for, for the human element that then you can go on and, and deal with the, 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 the performer, the, the sort of performing elements. Because if you, if you, if you get that the wrong way around, it, it just doesn't come together.
Yeah. So a good example of that, I think of somebody like Nicholas Latifi, he's classically finished pretty much last in every race that he's done. He, you know, his, his teammate gets sick. So this rookie gets in the other car and is, is driving and you're underperforming, whether it's your fault or your car's fault, you've got somebody who is hungry for a contract. There are 20 drivers in formula one. So those seats are, are, they don't come around all the time. Like you don't get a lot of opportunities and you wonder how that is affecting somebody in the back of their mind during a driving weekend we've got all of these other things to manage yeah exactly Latifi is an example Daniel Ricciardo is a really good example of somebody that has all the talent in the world but is still struggling to find how he unlocks that under the extreme pressure that he's under now and you know he bounces back and he's the honey badger and he's always smiling and that kind of stuff but even then he's still searching for it that that just turn up right put a brave face on, make sure you're smiling. It'll come good. It's still not working for him. You know, he needs somehow to, to, to sort of go back, control alt delete and, 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 and keep searching for whatever it is that's going to make his human side tick because he's got that we've seen him perform and we've seen it throughout his career. He's got all the talents in the world. It's just unlocking it again. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I also see it in the teams. I mean, right now we, we kind of have a one-two, arguably like a one-two-three with Red Bull as the top team, uh, Ferrari and Mercedes is kind of on the come up, and these teams are you know all performing. They're typically the the top six drivers are coming from these teams pretty much every week, and you see the difference between Red Bull, who is just crushing it right now, and Max Verstappen, who just he doesn't make mistakes, whether he's the fastest yeah. driver or not, he just never makes any mistakes, and you see it in the contrast. With Ferrari, they're making all kinds of mistakes, and they're coming on the radio to tell the drivers like confirm Plan G. Plan Red Bull is not considering Plan G. They are running Plan A. They're doing their race, and everybody else is getting very reactive to them versus saying what you're going to do and not making mistakes with it. Definitely, and if you look at their strategy at Ferrari, for example, that you can sense they fear failure. Now they're not going to openly admit that. And that's a subconscious feeling as well. It's not a conscious. It's not the first in a high-performance uh, environment. You don't start fearing failure. It's a subconscious feeling. But what I mean by that is that there's, there's elements of doubt. So they're, they're always asking questions, you know, right, Charles, what do you think? What do you, you know, it, it's all very reactive as opposed to that, 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 that sense of reassurance that, that they don't seem to be on the front foot. They don't seem to be proactive in terms of, uh, the, the confidence side of things. And, you know, I think that has come from a, a string of mistakes. So if you look at soccer, for example, you take a penalty, you miss that penalty subconsciously that never disappears. <laughs> so when you step up to take the next penalty, you've still got that in your mind. And, and actually you don't have that clear mind where you're focused on the process. Suddenly the outcome comes into fruition. So you start to think, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss. <laughs> you know, as soon as you start thinking that, it, it, you, you can't deliver on the process because you, you're, not, you're not engaged with the process. You, you're just outcome driven. And I think you're seeing that with Ferrari now. They, they, they just head into these big decisions and these critical moments just hoping that they get it right and, and, and that it's not going to go horribly wrong for them. And that, um, that's sort of detracting from, from, you know, that clear execution, that total focus on process. And when you look at Red Bull and Max, he's just totally focused, 
on the process. It's just mechanically and systematically delivered. And there's no doubt, no, it's just process driven the whole time. Yeah. And so many people, even in, you know, not only just driving, obviously, but with your personal goals, your, your, you know, your business goals, whatever they may be, way too many of us are focusing on outcome based goals. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to lift this much weight. Like that's, that's fine to have that goal, but you have to realize that that is not inside of your control. What is in your control is the things that you put in your mouth or the exercise that you do. It's going to the gym Tuesday morning at five 30 in the morning when you don't want to like, that's what you need to focus on. I love that you take that approach. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how, cause you, you say to people, okay, what's your goal? They'll say, I want to do it. And then you say, well, how are you going to do that? And, and then, uh, uh, and they'll like start loosely sort of flittering around the process and stuff like that. And then you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like unless you're clear on the process and you're totally focused on the process, I will say nail the process and the outcome takes care of itself. So thank you so very much for listening to this bonus episode of re-released content what we used in episode 341 with my interview with Tom Gaymore. Again, that the, that episode is called Mindset and Performance with Formula One commentator Tom Gaymore. So again, I hope you enjoyed that. If you are a Formula One fan as well, shoot me a message and tell me who your favorite driver is and how the race went for you this weekend if you watched it. Uh, we love just connecting with everybody in any way that we can, whether that's health and fitness and talking about low-carbohydrate diets, carnivore diets, whatever, or just talking about awesome sports stuff. We just love to meet people out there. Feel free to send us an email. That email is train, T-R-A-I-N, at mybalmas.com body.com as always you can go to our website which is www.myboundlessbody.com you can book a free session with us we'd love to meet you and help you with whatever plan and if you're enjoying our show as always please leave us a rating and review on apple it really helps to get this message out to more people and thank you again so very much for listening to balanced body radio